It's a joy to be with you this morning. I've been traveling around and had the opportunity in Houston, Texas a few weeks ago to hear a pastor preach a message that I've been struggling with ever since. I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes when people preach, you forget about it by the time you get to the back door. Other times, it kind of impacts you and begins to crawl inside of you, and those words begin to gnaw at you. But I'm beginning to hear, as I go from place to place, what God seems to be saying to the church, and where God seems to be calling us out to a deeper walk, a deeper sense of service, a deeper sense of ministry, a deeper sense of worship of Him, a deeper sense of witness to our community. Everywhere I go, I hear that message being proclaimed from the platforms and from the pulpits that uh, are going on. But this particular message was delivered at the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, it is a passage of Scripture that I have looked at many times and allowed it to pass by. And I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm chapter 34. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard. It's going to say it a little bit different than you. I I asked uh, one of the friends I was with in a church a couple of weeks ago, what does the Chinese translation say? And the Chinese translation and the New American Standard translation are right together, side by side. So we're in agreement on that. Uh, Your New International will do it slightly different, but these are the words coming from the New American Standard. It's a passage of Scripture that begins to describe the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous, and the behavior that goes back and forth to them. He says in verse 15, he picks it up and he says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And then here's the verse that I want to begin to camp on. It's verse 19. He says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them, delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. I want to look at five words in that verse, and I want to call your attention to them because I struggle. There seems to be a message out there that the church never goes through trouble. That Christians, once you become a Christian, everything's going to kind of slide by. And you're going to kind of walk through unscathed, unbattered, unhit. But this particular passage says many, camp on that word, circle that word, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Who better to face difficult circumstances than God's chosen children? Who better to demonstrate to the world where their hope is in the midst of struggle than the righteous? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I don't know about you, but in my life, I'm 61 years old. (laughs) I don't know if I've sinned a lot or what, but I've faced some things that are kind of not fun. 
there are those difficult moments in life. Like the time as a 17-year-old boy when I came home from high school and the phone was ringing. And I went over to the phone and I picked it up and my uncle's voice was on the other end of the line. And he said, Ray? And I said, yes. Is your mother there? No, she's not. Well, I need you to give her a message. I said, okay. What's the message? Tell her that her father is dying and she needs to get here as quick as possible. Excuse me, I'm 17 years old and I'm going to tell my mother that her dad is dying. Excuse me, but the man who was my mentor, the one who loved me, who I stayed in his home at least three months a year from the time I was in seventh grade on, who taught me how to work, who I worked side by side with every day, the man who believed in me, the man who helped me get ready to go to university, the man who who taught me so much about integrity, was about to die, and my uncle didn't even think it would have an impact on me? I remember sitting at the kitchen table waiting for my mother to come through the door. How do you tell your mom? A few years later, a long time later, my niece, was in her first year at university. And that phone rang again. This time when it rang, it was my brother on the phone. He said, Ray, you're probably going to need to get on a plane quick and get down here. I said, why? He said, your niece, Megan, has just committed suicide. I'm picking up your daughter and we're heading to the university to talk to the students because they don't understand. She was the leader of a Christian band. She ministered all over the city. But nobody knew the internal pain that she was living in. The loneliness that she was experiencing. The devastating thoughts of depression she was facing. And she took her life. I remember sitting in the auditorium at her funeral. And the pastor standing up and beginning to spout about how well done, thou good and faithful servant, and how much hope she had, and how great she had done, and all of these things. And I watched my sister sitting on the front row at the funeral of her daughter suddenly decide that was enough. And as soon as the pastor said his amen, she stood up in front of a thousand people and said, This was not right. She did not make a good choice. She was facing incredible pain. But our God is faithful to love us and care for us and walk through us through the difficult circumstances. You can't water it down. It's the reality. I remember walking into a doctor's office a few years ago and sitting down with that doctor and he said, we finished the test. Many of you know the next answer. I said, so what would you find? You've got cancer. I thought to myself as I walked out of that doctor's office, what did I do wrong? What, what was, why? 
I don't know about you, but when difficult circumstances come, we want to blame somebody. We want to turn it off and push it away. When the reality is, many are the afflictions of the righteous. You see, afflictions come as a part of life. The reality of life. Sometimes they come because of bad choices. I mean, I talked to several officers and my mom, as tow trucks towed my cars away. <laughs> I was not really a good driver in my young days. And uh, I remember him letting me survive a few <laughs> when the cars got towed away. I suffered the afflictions of my bad driving, <laughs> my bad choices. Sometimes the afflictions we face are because of those bad choices. Sometimes they're because of our incompetence. Sometimes they're bad because we just flat make the wrong choice. We want to protect ourselves. We want to guide and and hold on to ourselves. And somehow we blow it. (laughs) And we have to walk through the reality of those decisions. We have to face them. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, those that walk with God. I began to look at the Scripture and I began to realize that in the story of Job, here was a righteous man, yet he lost everything. Why? So that Job could demonstrate to the world what it's like to be a godly person. So that we would have the testimony of one who walked through the most difficult of all and survived. And God delivered him from it all. Began to think of Paul, stoned and rocked and driven out and living with no place to call home and testifying to the gospel everywhere he went and and walking through incredible disrespect, being jailed. And yet in the midst, in the bottom of the jail, he finds the opportunity to sing the praises of God. He had the opportunity to demonstrate the character of God. I think of what Paul would write to the Romans when he would say, And we exalt in our tribulation, for we know that tribulation produces perseverance. And as we persevere, it begins to demonstrate and build proven character. And when proven character is there, then there is hope, because we know God is at work. We begin to see God move and work in the midst of our life and change and give us the courage to stand up and say, this is right. And to stand up and to live out in obedience to what God says. You know what's the most difficult thing for me to do? I don't know about you, but when God says, love them and forgive them, I struggle. I don't know about you, I like to be right. I like to be the one that wins. I like to have my cause Get there. But God says, love, forgive, be with. And I think of Him on the cross. Innocent, righteous, loving, forgiving. And what are His words? His last words, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Many 
are the afflictions of the righteous. But they are the opportunities of the righteous also. When you face difficult circumstances, Paul would say to you to persevere. Paul would say to you, let your character be developed. Paul would say to you, let that be your proving ground that God's Word is true. That God's Spirit is true. And I can trust what it says in the midst of those circumstances. Because I love what this verse says. If there are many and the afflictions and righteous are three of the words, then the fourth word is one three-letter word that's in that verse. Can you guess what it is? But. (laughs) Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but. Have you ever heard somebody say, you are the most beautiful person I've ever seen, but. I really like that dress, but. I really think you're a great athlete, but. Changes the whole meaning of what's going on, doesn't it, when you use that word? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but. Okay, now what's he going to say? He just wiped out that statement. Let's see what he's going to say next. What is the reality? I live in the reality of affliction. But. And what does the Scripture say? It says it quite simply. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. The Lord delivers them out of them all. God will walk through you to the mountaintop to be able to look back and see as in the midst of your obedience, He has been faithful to be with you just as you've sung all morning long. That God's presence is going to deliver you. He's going to walk with you if you will walk with Him. In the midst of conflict, it's hard sometimes to walk with Him because you can't hear His voice in the noise of all the things that are going around you. So it's time to withdraw and allow His Word to speak to your heart. And let it begin to penetrate who you are. And let it begin to soak into this person and allow you to begin to hear His voice again and tune your voice to Him as you walk through the midst of the conflict, as you walk through the midst of the affliction, as you walk through the midst of the difficulty. It's time to draw back and allow Him to be the guide of your life. It's time to let Him deliver you and not you deliver you. I remember going into the doctor's office after I was diagnosed with cancer and and I said, you know, I want to know everything and I want to, I, I question what you're treating, what your treatment plan is and I want to, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I remember the doctor finally putting his stuff on the desk and pushing it back at me and he said, okay, I'll give you the 15,000 articles that I've read and you'll need to go to school for 15 years in order that you can understand what I'm dealing with and what I'm suggesting or you can trust me. And I thought to myself, I'll trust you. (laughs) I don't have time to go through it. He says, I've seen this before. I've been here many times. I've walked with you through this. I will walk with you through this. And I started thinking to myself, is that not what the Father says to us as Christians all the time? 
You can either figure it out yourself and go through all the pain and all the study and all the difficulty, or you can back down and say, Father, teach me and walk with me. He will deliver you through it all. This preacher that preached this message a few weeks ago stood on the platform of the Southern Baptist Convention. An African-American pastor who had been elected president of the National Convention stood on the platform and delivered this message. He never mentioned what I'm going to say to you, but I began to look at his life and be awed by the overwhelming power of God. You see, when the Southern Baptist Convention was formed in the 1800s, just prior to the Civil War in the United States, it was formed, they said, because Southern plantation owners were not allowed to go on foreign missions and be appointed as missionaries because they were plantation owners and therefore slave owners. They said that they didn't have a care for anything but their slaves. And they'd gotten so locked into the economics and the culture and the structure that they ended up dividing north and south. And it happened even in the church. The Southern Baptist Convention was launched. Now, they've become a great mission organization. They've become an incredible ministry in spite of the bad choices they make. But I could not help but think, many are the afflictions are the righteous. And then as I saw that black pastor step into the pulpit to lead that denomination, I thought to myself, but he delivers them from it all. He delivers them from it all. I looked at that pastor. He's from the Franklin City Church in New Orleans. Guess what? When Katrina came through, it wiped that church out. They rebuilt it. That pastor stayed with that congregation. And as he walked onto that stage, he brought that affliction with him. And so I wanted to hear from him. How does God deliver you in the midst of affliction? How does He begin to do that? And He told this story, which I thought was humorous, so I'm going to pass it on to you. He said he was an incredible lover of James Bond movies. Now, you've got to understand, this man is speaking so fast. If you've ever heard an African-American pastor preach, and he's tuned up, and he's, we're rocking in that auditorium. And he's talking about James Bond. And he said, Bond, James Bond. He loved James Bond. He said all the incredible rescues that he makes, all the things that are there that happen in the midst of of those movies. He said, you know, he's down in the bottom of the ocean and everything blows up and somehow he ends up on a raft with a girl floating away. (laughs) He jumps out of the helicopter or a plane without a parachute. And somehow he winds up on jet skis, you know, flying through. How does he do that? He wondered, how in the world does it happen that he always escapes the difficult time? 
He said he was watching TV one night, and all of a sudden an advertisement came on that said they were doing a documentary on the Bond movies. And he said, I'm going to find out how he does it. He said, so he told his wife, don't disturb me. Don't let the kids call. Don't let anybody into this room. I'm watching the show. So he gets in front of the show and he's, he's, he's observing, he's watching it carefully and he's waiting. He's going to find out how Bond rescues him. And he said about five minutes before the end of the movie, they told him. He said, oh, brilliant, brilliant. He said, I figured out how he rescues him. And suddenly he stopped and he said, you want me to tell you the secret of how he does it? It's in the script of the movie. in the script. Then you know what he did? It's in the script. God has written the script for us. God has told us what's going to happen. God's written the final chapter. And what did He say? He will deliver them out of it all. When proven character has its full work, God is at work and He will deliver them out of it all. So my message to us today is this. Allow this to be the guide and the script of our life. Not the training of the world. Not the equation of the world. Don't come to this script and go, hmm, yeah, but that won't work well with us. You see, Paul tried that. Peter tried that. John tried that. Judas tried that. He knows. And he's recorded the script. You want to be delivered, follow the script. You want to be rescued, follow the script. That's the way out of affliction. For lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. He walked with me through the graveside of my grandfather. He walks with me through the graveside of my niece. And He will walk with me to the grave. And then, in a twinkling of an eye, I'll be with Him. And He'll deliver me from all affliction. In a twinkling of an eye, He finishes the script. In the twinkling of an eye, He takes us through the hard waters and the deep waters. May I encourage you this morning that as you face the loneliness of difficult circumstances in your personal life, take the moment of silence and turn to the Father. Into your hands I commit my life. I don't know what to do, but I will do what you've told me to do until you give me direction on what next to do. Let it be first that I forgive because I've been taught to forgive. 
I know that. Let it be that I choose to love first because You've told me to love my enemies. Let it be that I choose to walk by faith with You first because I've been taught that. Let this Word guide you until the answers come on what is next and what is next and what is next. Let those principles so be embedded in you that you become obedient to that which He has shown you by turning your face to Him and saying, Yes, Lord, You are the King, You are the Creator, You are the Master. You know better about me and my circumstances and my life than anybody else does. And so into your hand I give my life. And I will follow what you've taught me to do. Regardless. I say that to you today not because of conflicts or things you're going through. I say that to you today for this reason. God has called some of you to ministry. God has called some of you to work. He has called all of us to bring honor to His name. He has put you on task. He has put you on display. And He has said to you, You are my children and the world will know who I am by you. And so in the midst of that, walk in obedience even when it's lonely, even when it's difficult. And He will deliver you. He will deliver you. I want to pray for us. And then I'm going to turn it back over to the worship team. Father, we've gathered in Your presence. Your Word is a light and a lamp to us. May it be that which we follow. May the years and years of teaching, may the years and years of listening be lived out in obedience to You. Father, may You guide our thoughts. May You transform our hearts. May You equip our hands to be Your instruments in a lost world. And Father, may the words of our mouth and the attitudes of our heart reveal that You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, thank You for all that You've done. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.